Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio Show 283, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by Ace High Graphics. We can help you get exactly the right custom design hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and bags, all made to order. Ace High Graphics can help you unite your team for in-person or virtual gatherings. Get your quote at acehighgraphics.com. The Practical Herbalist. Herbalism is easy when you take a practical approach. At The Practical Herbalist, we've got loads of researched, tried-and-true tips and techniques to make herbs part of your daily life. Learn more at thepracticalherbalist.com. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Uh, I think Matthew Wood was a was was a was a fun talk. I, I didn't know where we were going to go with that, and we haven't had a lot of live in like not, I say live, but at a coffee shop, and that's where he was. He was at a yeah. Dunn Brothers at a, at a, in Wisconsin on a coffee shop, and we could we watched the sun, you know, from from late afternoon go down all the way to the evening where it was starting mm-hmm. to cool off, and and he was just. We we didn't know that. I mean, I, I thought he would be more of um, in his office or in a place, and then but it most, was yeah. Most of the most of our guests are in an office or in their kitchen or in their living room as they're talking to us. It, and yeah, yeah. And he's very he's, um, as you if you ever talk to the man, he's very free flowing with things. And here yeah. we are in the middle of this interview. And, you know, a sports car rolls up and, you know, he's commenting about the sports car and he's going there. He said, but hey, we're, you know, dude, we're in an interview, but, you know, whatever. It's a conversation. It, it's it not is. really, it's. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a conversation. That is true. And, and we need to have that. We, we not need, but we like that freedom to people be creative. But, that's been one of the know. fun things that's we've done through the years is, I mean, we've had quite a few guests actually comment, especially afterwards. They walk into it, you know, saying, okay, what are the interview questions you're going to be asking? And they're expecting it to be an interview or they're expecting it to be an impromptu class. And I'm like, no, it's a conversation, like sitting at the kitchen table, just talking herbs. That's what it's always been about. And yeah, Matthew Wood was just like spot on with that. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, he's not kidding. Very Gemini. <laughs> he um, he's a talker. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's okay. It I mean, fun. sometimes you know when we when we when we talk to people, um, they get nervous because there's a microphone in front of them or they're on Zoom or or whatever, and, and you can just see this demeanor change. Now, before we hit record, they were fine. They were talking, talking, talking. We hit record, and I was like, uh, yeah, like, and I got it's like I got to pull gotta something out, pull bit. and pull and pull. Not with my uh, uh, Matthew Wood. Yeah, I was no. like, he was. It was he like was I was trying to even get an. Uh, I had like a list of questions. Yeah. As he was going through his his bio and his history and and who he was and I and I and I and he was and I and I kept trying to get to them. And he just <laughs> kept going. I'm like, finally, when he it seemed like he ran out of air, I finally was able to get one in. But but um, no, it was great to learn about you know his path. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of interesting and wonderful stories to tell. I love the fact that he came from such a different sort of background and that he saw challenges in trying to get to where he wanted to go and he just kept persevering through them. He kept finding ways to, you know, like even he talked about um, he had a hard time understanding concepts like damp and dry and, and some of those other concepts that many of us as herbalists take kind of for granted. We really understand them. And part of why it's so easy to understand them is that we've read Matthew Wood. Right. So, and, and, uh, or we've read people who've read Matthew Wood and have found other words to say, but the same kinds of things he's describing. And his decision that he really wanted to find the language took him you know, into alchemy and into 
more esoteric, what we what were then considered esoteric elements or aspects of herbalism. Mm. And he found the language to understand the concepts that many of us would understand easily through those those routes. And as a result, he made those concepts the esoteric approach as well as the you know, chemistry and the scientifically based and the stuff that's easier for us to understand. He's kind of like found a way to marry them all into a way that his language makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for a wide variety of people. Right. I mean, you know, and it's not often that we have somebody that overlaps with our history as well. Right. Yeah. You know, him being from Minnesota, you know, Minnesota yeah. him going to present moments and being part of that whole um, culture, that yeah. whole space, yep. you know, yeah. um, and you and I come at it from a, you know, you know, coming in from the suburbs to go to our you know, present moments. And there's this whole, you know, him joking about how, you know, multiple stores, you know, were started there with, 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 you know, weed money. Yeah. <laughs> it really was kind of really funny, you know? Uh, and I, you know, it was just kind of fun to have that connection because we don't normally have that with most people that we come on with. We, we don't know them. Yeah. You know, I mean, Don, yeah. yes, we did. And, 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 uh, of course, uh, you know, Matthew would, we didn't know him personally. I and mean, it wasn't like we hung out. We just, we, we just overlapped in a period of time that we went to a store that he happened to be at. Yeah. It wasn't there very long. I mean, obviously he went to the school, the Scottish he school at that on, time. But, yeah. but it was just kind of a neat, you know, it's interesting when you talk to people from where you're from, you know, you yeah. instantly have a rapport because you have a cultural, um, Shared experience. Yeah, and language that you can use and you can understand and you can see and you can mm-hmm. you know what they're saying without them saying it in a little bit because you grew up in that in that 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 environment. I mean yeah. it'd be no different if we were from the south and we met somebody from the south and knowing from where they're at, we would have the same things to talk about as well. Right. Same, you know, ideas. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's just so eclectic, I, you know, and he's so well known. It was just it's kinda like you've done all these things and and you've written all these books and you could just see that he's just a, even I think when he was there, his hands were wanting to do something. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. You spent the time and money on a new website. You made all the right choices or seem to, and you still do not have the website traffic you need to make your website create money for you. Mudpodesign.com can help you get the traffic to your website to have it start making money for you. Get a free SEO audit at their website mudpodesign.com slash free dash SEO dash audit. So one of the things I found interesting about talking with him was thinking about how herbalism has changed so much. Because, I mean, he really, he talked a lot about what it was like in the old days. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, I mean, we it's, like he said, now their present moment isn't the only one in Minneapolis. There's, right. there's, there's a lot of, of yeah, different little herb of shops yeah. and, and herbalism has expanded considerably, and it's no longer the little, you know, quaint little cute thing that can be very powerful. But most people just think of it as, you know, play. alternative and yeah, hippy dippy and woo woo and and all those things. Even though I, I don't think it was, it just it was never in the in the um, the forefront in the in the public's eye and you know and that is a double-edged sword isn't it i mean it's it's you know and once and once i hope you're like yeah you know you want to keep it so that it 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 isn't um overrun by a lot of um what do you want to call it commercialism okay commercialism and then and then with the advent of of um you know when 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 he went through the his learning process 
you know, his entire history. There wasn't, it wasn't, internet wasn't a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. um, very, at the very end there, if we, if we say before 2000, you know, it was, it was coming in, but it wasn't, it wasn't there yet. And now in the last, let's say since 2008, 2007, mm-hmm. you know, building a website was easy, you know, and then suddenly Facebook was there and then you know, disseminating information was there and YouTube was there. And before you know it, you've got, you know, hundreds Hundreds, yeah. thousands of people that are herbalists that are have a voice and have a way to say something. And now, you know, and because of that, right? It's in the it's in the zeitgeist. People know about it. They they understand it. It's in pop culture. It's referenced in movies. It's referenced in TV shows. Yeah. You know. I mean, on one hand, it's really brilliant that we're finally in America bringing herbalism back into the forefront. I mean, so many areas of the world never lost it, never let go. But we've been living in sort of a dark ages of health and well-being in America for quite a long time, 100 years. And it's like we're coming out of that because instead of focusing on just this one narrow bandwidth of what health can look like, we've, we're starting to finally accept that it takes all kinds, you know. Yeah. So that's good. Definitely. That's really good. But it's also we're going through the herbal industry is going through a lot of growing pains and it is, in all honesty, becoming harder to make a living as an herbalist now than it was way back when. Yeah, because there's more of more people doing it so that it, it they, the customer base is it's not diluted, but they have more choice. And with more choice, usually it ends up with less 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 of um what do we call it? Um, the competition has become much more fierce than it once was. It used to be like KP Kulsa said, he would show up and he would talk about one or two herbs that today we consider just common, simple right. stuff. But he would talk about a couple and people would flock to the store that he was talking at. And, you know, he could make money off of relatively lightweight information as our current perspective is. Right. What he was doing then, he, you know, he and Matthew Wood as well. I mean, they had to work a lot harder to get even that little bit of information they had. Now the information is so easy to come by, and it becomes more of like herbalism is becoming a cult of personality more than it is about just learning the herbs mm-hmm. and using the herbs and living right. the lifestyle. I mean, it's partially that, but it's also about flocking to the personalities and. That's what's selling more than anything, I think, right now. So that's challenging. I mean, there's a lot of young people that want to make their living in this profession, that want to be involved in, you know, a healing modality that is not so over-governed that it's become hard to actually heal within that structure, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what's happened in the modern medical industry. I know that the doctors that are in the industry don't necessarily not want to be healing, but because the industry has grown as it has, the structure they're trapped in is really defines very tightly how they can and can't do what they do. Herbalists and many of the other alternative healers don't necessarily want that tight of a structure, but at the same time, you know, just because... This person, a person, has gone and taken um, six months worth of classes with somebody who gave them a certificate doesn't mean that they are now suddenly certified herbalists in a way that means that they really know what they're doing and they would be good teachers. It just means that they took six months worth of classes from whoever it was that issued the certificate. And the lack of structure 
means it's harder to recognize. You have to really look look at the person and listen carefully. But when you haven't had any education yet, it's hard to discern who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. Yeah, and that comes back to a discussion we've had many years ago about certification and licensing and all of that where, you know, in, in some respects you want that ability for the uh, herbal consumer to be able to know what they're dealing with when they're talking to somebody that that knows herbs and herbalism, uh, that they have some kind of confidence in their ability. So yeah. that's where that licensing and certification and comes in. And, you know, and I know the um, Herbalist Guild the American Herbalist yeah, I mean, Guild does something like that. I mean, that yeah. means there's something there, uh, you know. But there's not. It's not. It's not a requirement. Right. You know, you you can be an herbalist and a very good one without it. But how do you how do you let the public know? I mean, how do you let these people that know yeah. that they're looking for somebody to help them with, and then they just find somebody? Um, and you know, yeah. So and so there's that that thing. Or like we we don't want to close out the ability for people to learn herbalism. And right. be able to practice it, but on the same token, you know, how do you know that you're getting at least somebody that has a a, a modicum of, of of knowledge and experience that will help you with the problem that you may be having? You know, I mean, with you know, with doctors, we say, you know, you gotta, gotta go through med school, you gotta get licensed. There's boards, there's a whole right. thing, and we have you know, quote unquote, our confidence is at least they've passed the bare minimum right. to get through, right? Right. But the problem with that too is that they've passed the bare minimum in, or they've passed whatever they've passed, but it's been this specific perspective. It's a very narrow view of what medicine looks like. Like even, you know, a doctor of naturopath gets a really different education than a non, I forgot what they're called, osteopathic pathway in medicine. And there's a very small number of pathways you can take in medicine even though I would bet that people who are practicing medicine would say there's there's a lot more ways to look at this stuff, a lot more ways to approach this, but the bandwidth has been narrowed to just these, and this is the only way you're allowed to practice medicine. Right. So if we do that in herbalism, does that mean that we say, oh, you know, anything that has to do with energetics is out, it can only be science, which means a huge swath of really good herbalists suddenly are out of a job? Well, what if we say it's only energetics then? Now the science is out. Oh, so another huge swath are completely out? That's been the challenge of the idea of certifications or boards or licensing. Mm -hmm. And because who decides what's right and what's wrong? Yeah. And and that therein becomes that, that, you know, double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, uh, you want it one way, but you get it, then then it doesn't really facilitate the other way. And, and, um. You know, I know that I know that in the herbal community, that is a very um, uh, contested topic. I mean, it is something that's, you know. It is. It's a really challenging topic. And I mean, since we can't practice medicine as herbalists, there's so many restrictions there. You have to be very careful about what you say. I mean, even Matthew Wood talking about case histories is almost a little scary because some states and some areas would potentially look at that and start raising their eyebrows saying, are you practicing medicine? What do you mean case history? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just scary how much our language can edge into that and, and you can get in trouble for that. Like, well, yeah. you know, serious trouble. Yes. Yeah, making, you know, or like, you know, making a claim that, you know, that you, you know, well, you know, this, this herb does this and it is shown over, you know, hundreds of years to do this thing for people. You say that and then the, you know, the FDA can come at you and say, well, you have no proof. Yeah. Suggesting, for instance, that 
using arnica topically might help reduce bruising could be construed as a medical claim. The FDA has this huge, huge document that outlines all the many things you cannot say as an herbalist or anybody else if you are not already a doctor, if you don't have whatever the permits and licensing is. Yeah. And it's astounding how many things you're not allowed to say and you're not allowed to put on your products and you're not allowed to, you know, it's amazing how edited and how, um, what's the right word, how censored language must become to be safe from lawsuit. Oh, yeah. And lawsuit and, you know, fines and all of that, that it could ruin your, your life, your financial life. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a friend who who is who is a who is a doctor, and he he discovered this this CBN, you mm-hmm. know, and it was you know not testing, but he was trying it out with with his family, and because you know, there's some sleep issues. Yeah, they all seem to be successful. By they were like, oh my god, we totally this is great, this is amazing, it's helping with anxiety, it's helping with this, it's helping that. So he's like, oh great, I'm going to make a tincture of it, and I'm going to sell it. And I was like, um, okay, so what's the name? And he told me the name. And, you know, right away, I said, well, that sounds really cool. Then I told you the name and you're like, oh, he can't not say that language. You cannot use that word in that name mm-hmm. I mean, at all. Possibly because he's technically a doctor, but. But you're telling it about a product. And then another friend who knows a lot about CBD, CBN, CTHC and stuff because he, had a, he had a company that dealt with this kind of stuff. He said, whoa, 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 you can't sell that. You can't sell anywhere. that and say that, and you can't say yeah, that. Yeah, you can't sell that anywhere in the U.S. right now because yeah. it's a CBN, and that's not legal. And yeah. you, know, you can't. And, yeah. and so my doctor friend was like, "Well, it's a- fudge. How can I, you know, get in on on all of this? Like, well, you've got to. There's a very narrow path mm-hmm. that you can tread when it comes to um, making statements, using names." You're making claims. Yeah. And more importantly, the product that you're trying to sell is available or legal. Yeah. You're you're you know I mean? you're playing with the FDA now. That's really Oh, and in this case huge. the DEA, but yeah. Yeah, and the DEA. Yeah. You know, so he thought mm-hmm. this would be this really kind of little cottage little side hustle that he was gonna do. And you know, and I'm giving him all this advice on labeling and, and words in words, and my other friends giving him all this legal advice on, whoa, you can't do what you're thinking about doing. And he's just backing away he's like, because oh, you know <laughs> it, we no longer live we no longer live in an area or a place where you can have the, you know. Family doctor that does house calls and right, you know. Well, all you those, can if you want to pay for it. They do have those. Well, yeah, those concierge, high end concierge yes. services. Yes, yes. Where you pay but monthly. Yes, the whole idea of the doctor that actually just kind of knows the community, knows what oh, herbs, yeah, what are the yeah, local yeah. herbs, and knows how to treat and help the people around him or her is not here anymore, and it's not allowed in our culture because, I mean. It's it's a little bit like the old abortion clinics in the fifties. You you know you got to be careful. You don't want to get caught because if you get caught performing an herbal action on someone, oh, in, yeah, you know? in some cases for sure. That yeah, that is that is the case. And you know that 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 community doctor, family doctor thing exists in very very small pockets, but it's not what it once there was. There are yeah, there are places in rural America where the communities are so small that you actually know the first name of the person who, you know, the doctor. He might live literally next door to you. Mm-hmm. Or the baker, 
or the pharmacist. I mean, and there's only one of them because it's just that small of a town. You know, a lot of times those are also places where there's like one room schoolhouses or small enough communities where there's like five teachers for all the kids within a hundred mile radius. Well, maybe not a hundred mile radius, but you know, a no, large I, radius. I understand. I mean, it, it reminds me of the movie Doc Hollywood where, you know, yeah. he gets stranded in the South and there's this one community doctor that's going to retire, but he knows everybody and everything. And yeah. And, and, you know, I just remember that, that there's a couple of scenes and they're like, yeah, you know, that, that would be great, but yeah. we just don't seem to, you know. I understand yeah. that that may exist in some areas. Mm -hmm. I've never personally experienced it. I've always lived in a moderately to large size city and I've never lived in a community small enough to be able to experience that. But I haven't gotten the impression from the people I've known who've lived in small communities, at least in the North, that that actually really does exist. You know, usually it seems like the small communities, at least in the North, I don't know about the South because I know the South when it comes to medical care, especially when you get into like Alabama, Mississippi, you know, that South, Southeastern corner, um, like Phyllis Light said, mm -hmm. they never gave up herbs. That was just a normal part of life. Yeah. The North and the West completely gave up herbs. It's not a normal part of life or hasn't been. Now it's coming back, thankfully. But, well, yeah, because you know, of what we talked about, but yeah. But a lot of the really small communities, like the place where you were, you know, the Iron Range where you grew up, they, the little, the small number of towns kind of all band together and create one large school district and one large hospital yeah, now, or yes, clinic. Yes, and, yes, and, and now, yeah, that's something that started in, in the 80s. But yeah, yeah, before then, every little community had its, its um, identity and its thing, and that's yeah. that's what they did. But yeah, now it's, um, you know, these three communities get together because it's easier, and these four, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. They have their reasons, know. but that oh, also sure. means that they all end up flocking to one larger hospital or clinic area, mm -hmm. and therefore the doctors there aren't going to be able to know everybody because they're funneling from so far afield. They're pulling people in from so far away that how do you get to know the people, you know? Right. I mean, in Doc Hollywood, the the older doctor knew everybody because he lived in the town and it was a little town and therefore he just ran into them. He would, you know, go grocery shopping. I mean, and, yeah, he knew, he knew, the, are, yeah, he knew the families, he knew everything. I mean, yeah. You know, and I mean, there was a little bit of that, but by the time that, you know, when I, when I was a young, young man, young boy in, in where I lived, it, you know, we went to the clinic and mm -hmm. the doctors were there and they knew everybody cause they, it was a small town, yeah. um, but it wasn't the same kind of, um, you know, same kind of thing necessarily. Yeah. You know? um, I know that, you, you know, I lived in a small enough town where the doctor I had when I was a boy was the same doctor my mom had, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it was like, yeah. and when she was younger, you know I mean? It was like that generational, the, you know, the doctors knew the families, yeah. you know, just because it was, a, you know, it was small towns here. Now it's not that way. You know, the only way they know you is by what they read on their notes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you make a hell of an impression when you walk in. <laughs> Which probably isn't a good thing. <laughs> no, probably not a good thing. Um, but uh, you know, so it's it's you, you know you come back to that whole idea of, of of how to you know how do we do all this thing? You know, wouldn't Matthew would be able to do what Matthew Wood does now in the current environment than he did the way he in the way that he did it back then? 
Yeah, I can speak from my own experience as someone who started off, did a lot of, you know, my own research and self-teaching and learning because at the time that I was beginning, there really wasn't a lot of, mm-hmm. there was, you had to work harder to find teachers. They were there. I mean, Matthew Wood was teaching, Rosemary Gladstar was teaching, yeah. KP Kelso was teaching, Sure, but there was not internet access and you'd have to travel to wherever they were. Right. There was no them. Zoom training. There was no yeah. seminars. There was no software that did an LMS <laughs> yeah. learning management system. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah was, that yeah. that stuff wasn't there, but there were more books available. So I did a lot of that. And I am not anywhere near being able to do anything like what any of those older herbalists have done with the same kind of resources that many of them started off with. Right. In fact, I had a leg up. I had slightly more resources. But I, I, the field is just so competitive. You need to... You need to have a lineage at this point. I mean, being self-taught is really, really hard. Right. Well, yeah. And you yeah. need you need to have your lineage. You don't necessarily need to have a certificate that says, oh, I studied with this school and I graduated from their program. But you need to be able to say, I studied under this herbalist and that herbalist and the other herbalist. And yeah. they will give me references, not just... I studied and I took their classes. I mean, I could say I studied under KP Kulsa because I've taken a bunch of his webinars, but he doesn't know me. So he's not going to give me a letter of recommendation just because I took some webinars from him, which I may have taken part of them as recorded versions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. There's right. no, there's no personal interaction. So I have a proper lineage. Now you have to actually interact with the teachers to the point where they know who you are. And if you don't have stuff like that, you don't really have real creds. And if you don't have real creds, you're not marketable. It's not about what you know. It's about what you can appear to know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that lineage is like, is like having a certificate in a way, assuming you've, you've, it's, a, you know. It's legitimate. It's legitimate. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just a weekend seminar. Right. I mean, my my own lineage is an old, old-fashioned one, and it's old-fashioned using the resources I had. So I would say my first, first teacher was Dawn, who was a student of Matthew Wood. Mm-hmm. So Matthew Wood's the top that I'm aware of, of the lineage. But- even that is sketchy. Dawn set me on the path and got me started, and I learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from Matthew Wood by reading his books and right. trying things and experimenting and creating my own program right. and treating it because I have a college degree. I know what colleges do. I And I had a really good shaman teacher. He is another part of my lineage, and he said, showed me how to create my own self-study. So I created my own independent study program, but it's not accredited by anyone. Right. Except me. I accredited myself. (laughs) But I mean, so it's this sketchy lineage, which is exactly the same kind of sketchy lineage that Matthew Wood has. Only Matthew Wood did it at a time when a sketchy lineage makes sense. Today, it's really hard. I've, you know, talked with and, and met quite a few young herbalists. And they struggle to find how to figure out how to put their get their footing in the industry and make enough money to keep you know the lights on. Right, and it's frustrating. For sure, it is frustrating. Um, definitely. 
So, you know, it was, like I say, great conversation. He was mm-hmm. full of energy, brought up a lot of different issues. I think it's um, it's an interesting discussion on how things have changed in the herbal world in, in even 20 years. It's just dramatic. Yeah, so. it is. And I, I'm i thankful for the opportunity. I was thankful for the opportunity to chat with him a bit, um, partly because he's got such a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't grow up. A lot of us grew up in... Stand, fairly standard modern America. Yep. You know, I mean, a lot of our family backgrounds are pretty similar. Some people had, you know, herbalists in their family that taught them and others found it through some other way, but not too many people went and lived on an Indian reservation and grew up speaking a whole nother language for the first, what do you say, eight or nine years of his life. Right. And then from there, you know, moved elsewhere and, and then had like Quaker background and, you know, all these different things, you know, shaping the way that he thought and the way that he looks at the world. Most of us don't have those types of backgrounds and his ability to say, hey, you know, here's this perspective. I see this really differently and I want to see how you see it so that I can language it in a way that we both understand. I think that's really powerful. Right. And I think that's something that we as herbalists really benefit from. Being able to see the many perspectives. All right. So I guess with that then, put put an herb herb on on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.